Well, what a privilege to be with you today to present the Word of God and uh, to share together. Genesis 1.1 tells us that in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. And there's a little slide here that I want you to see. We're going to leave it up for a little while. Uh, once it comes up, here it is. So creator, the creator God, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in the midst of that seven days of creation, he created Adam, the human. And then you see heaven and earth, male and female, Adam and Eve, the human family. So we'll leave that up just for a, a little while. Humanity, when you look at this, the Adam or the male and the female, they exist between heaven and earth. You live between heaven and earth. Now, most of you know that. Most of you are aware of that, that you are somehow living between heaven and earth. You live between the spiritual and the material. That's where we exist. Between the realm of ideas, the realm of spirit, and the realm of potential. So everything in this earth is potential. Everything above this earth in the heavens, and I'm not talking about outer space, not talking about stars and planets. I'm talking about what exists. We, we naturally look up when we look to God. God exists in the heavenly realm. It's natural to look up. You and I were created in the image of God. So that's how we're created. Therefore, we've been offered by God this opportunity to perceive heaven. So you look at this. We perceive heaven so that we can make good decisions in the earth or on the earth. So that's what we're, we're about. We exist in between. Now, the governing philosophy of Canada in 2022. This is, this is an opinion on my part. Maybe you can help me on this. But if I take the country of Canada and think about Canada, think about how we're governed, think about how our public schools operate, how our hospitals operate, how our government operates, I love Canada. I want you to know that. But if you think about the governing philosophy of Canada in 2022, it all exists here. It all exists on the earthly plane because the heavenly plane, the sense of heaven above, except when we sing the national anthem, we sing God keep our land. But in almost every other part of how Canada is governed, we have at least forgotten that we live as human beings between heaven and earth. So that's the governing philosophy that uh, any of you he hear of uh, a thing called the science? Anybody ever hear of the science? Just, tell, just raise up your hands if you ever heard of the science. Okay, so the science is a good thing, right? It's a good thing. People that work in science, good people. It's a good thing to work in the material world for the betterment of humanity. But what happens when we forget that we actually don't just live in a material world. It's not just about the manipulation of material. It's not just about what happens in the material world. It's not about all the things that we can create in event. In event, there's something above us. There's a realm above us. Heaven is that realm. And God has created the heavens and the earth, and God's throne is in heaven. 
So the science in Canada exists on the earth, on this side of the equation, but modern Canada was built assuming mastery over the physical world. And we're beginning to notice cracks in that system. I don't know if you're like me, but there's cracks in the system of the secular. There's a lot of spiritual hunger happening. And in this, in this system of the secular or the system of the earthly plane, this what's on the bottom here between heaven and earth, where we are between earth and heaven, if you're just living in this secular earthly system, there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of hunger. There's a lot of addiction. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering going on. And people are longing again for a sense of meaning that can only come when you recognize that this world, this earth, is not all there is. That you live between heaven and earth. How many of you here have an iPhone? If you have an iPhone, hold it up. If you've got it with you, just hold it up. All right, we'll take an offering here in just a moment. Okay, I got iPhones. Just hold them up for a second. Okay, how many of you have iPhones? Okay, I don't have an iPhone, so mine will be down. How many of you have an Android, like me? I have an Android here today. Okay, I think iPhones are winning. That's too bad. Uh, my wife, Kimberly, is here. Can you stand up, Kimberly? I just want to introduce you. This is my wife, Kimberly. We can welcome Kimberly today. She is a hero driving thousands of miles with me and listening to all kinds of theology talks on podcasts. But you have, uh, you have your iPhones and you have your Androids. So, oh, where'd our slide go? Anyway, you, you remember the slide. You remember the heaven and earth paradigm, right? So heaven has an operating system. I would think that might be Android, but anyway, I, I don't know. And earth has an operating... We, we won't go too far in these analogies. But an earth has an operating system. Do you realize those operating systems in some ways are in the realm of heaven through prayer, through reading the scriptures, through gathering together, through encouraging one another. We operate in the realm of heaven by the spiritual. We operate in the realm of earth by the physical. And, what we, and we're supposed to operate in both realms according to the principles of heaven. And what we need to understand is that we live in between. We are literally mediators in the image of God. You are created to be a mediator between heaven and earth. If you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, your role is to be a mediator. So I think it's First Peter that talks about a kingdom of priests. What's a priest? A priest is a mediator between heaven and earth. That's who you are. That's what the church is about. That's why the church exists, to be here to proclaim the God of heaven all across the earth. And so that when you understand the principles of heaven, you make good decisions in the earth. And you do good things. And you do the things according to how God has created. We've become really good at the science. We build roads and bridges and satellites and iPhones and electric cars and flat screen TVs and drones. We've created medicines for every ache, pain, and ailment along with workout machines to build every muscle. We have microwaves and air fryers and toaster ovens and gas grills. And yet, people are starving in their spirits because we've forgotten heaven. And we need to remember that there's a heaven and earth paradigm all the time. And we exist to be between heaven and earth. And despite all the good things we have, our greatest needs are only answered 
from above because it's heaven and earth and we exist as humans in between that. When I look back at my life, I realize that I had a praying mother, a praying grandmother, and eventually I had a praying dad. And the point of you and me being between heaven and earth is that we can learn to live and act on earth as God acts in heaven. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy will be done on what? As it is in? Right. That's who we are as Christians. That's our purpose. That's why we exist. God is calling people all over Canada back to prayer. And I love that this is a church built on prayer. Back to an understanding of our place in creation. Some of you are facing this morning what appear to be impossible situations. In a crowd this size, there are some of you that have concerns that are so deep and so challenging that you're carrying them into this place today. And you've got something that's on your heart. It could be a person. It could be a work situation. We don't know what it, what it might be. But God wants you to understand that with him, all things are possible. Anything can happen with God. God's writing a story for you. But in order to access the script, you have to understand that the story may play out on the earth, but the story's written in heaven. So your story, if you want to know the script of your life, you've got to be in touch with what's going on above in heaven. So take a moment with me right now and think of the most challenging situation in your life. What is it right now that is facing you that would be the most challenging situation? It could be a family member. It could be something to do with your work. It could be something in your education. But just think with me for a moment. Just try to get that in your mind. For some of you, the answer is hold on in the challenge. For others, it's God wants to unlock a mystery that hasn't been unlocked yet. In others, God wants to do something so extraordinary, it could only be termed a miracle. So take a moment Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I just want to, I want to pray in this moment. And then I want to offer uh, some words from the scripture of how we can access heaven together. Father, this is a holy people. They've been called and set apart as Transformation Church. Lord, you've called them to be part of this amazing group. And so God, I pray right now, as we're thinking about challenging situations in our lives, some of them feel impossible from the earthly perspective. Father, open up heaven today. Lord, let heaven be opened up for every person in this room and for the people that they care about and are concerned about. Lord, as we look to your word, Open it up in new ways to us, God, ways that we can understand how we mediate between heaven and earth today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm a fellow traveler with you in this journey, but I want to take a few minutes to walk through a pattern of prayer that is laid out for us in the first couple chapters of the book of Daniel. So Daniel's an Old Testament book. He was an exile that was taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so there's a little map here. And so you can see Jerusalem here. And uh, his route to go to Babylon 
probably took six to seven months, and he was carried away. This was not uh, something he did on his own. This wasn't something Daniel or any of the exiles wanted to do. The Babylonians came in, and they, through a series of invasions, they took over uh, Israel. They took over the whole country, and primarily Jerusalem as well. And so Daniel, as an exile, was taken on this 900-mile journey that would have taken multiple months. It was in 605 B.C. when this happened. And his life as a young man was turned upside down in ways that most of us, maybe some of us can imagine, but most of us can't imagine. He was taken into the service of the king of Babylon. And he resolved to remain faithful to God. So when you read Daniel chapter 1, there's something so interesting happening here. Daniel resolved to be faithful to God, but he was taken into the service of the king, and they were given all of the luxurious food of the servants of the king from the king's table, and Daniel resolved, he had a sense from God, I'm not supposed to eat the strange food. Now, can you think of another place in the Bible where there was some strange food, but people decided to eat it? Can we go back to Genesis 1 and 2 again? Remember that? Remember some strange food, a serpent? Remember this story? The serpent comes and says, if you eat of it, oh, you will not, you will surely not die, right? And so they ate the strange food. They ate the food that God said that for that time they were not to eat, and so Uh, Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they ate that strange food, but Daniel, when you read chapter 1 of Daniel, you learn something, you're like, this person is different than Adam and Eve were, because he refuses the strange food. He wants to be fed the food from, uh, that he's familiar with, vegetables and water. That's what, he, that's what he asked for. And he became, he and his friends who took the vegetables and water, they became, over the course of uh, a 10-day, two-week period, they were all observed and they were the sharpest and the brightest. And they were invited into the king's fir- uh, service. They were shining examples because of following the way of God. They didn't eat the strange food. In Daniel chapter 2, it's where Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as we said in my Sunday school, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow, that's where these friends get together and they get into an impossible situation. Their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And one night, the king of Babylon... His name was Nebuchadnezzar. He had a dream. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or I think it'll be on the screen. Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I've firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. 
Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I'm certain you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I've firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there's only one penalty for you. You have, not, uh, you have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there's no one on earth, remember heaven and earth? There's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. They were the junior associates, and even they were going to be put to death. Imagine, you're Daniel, you've been invaded, your country's invaded, you've walked 900 miles to Babylon... You've made it into the service of the king just to, just to find out, well, that's it, folks, you know. I don't know what it was at Looney Tunes. That's all, folks, you know. They're going to be executed. And you had nothing to do with it. How do you pray under pressure? Because, folks, that's an impossible situation. And some of you are facing what seem to be impossible situations. How do you pray under pressure? I'm hoping that you can begin making the connection between your most challenging situation that's happening in your life right now because Daniel is going to show us a pattern. There's a pattern here that we're going to see in Daniel chapter 2 that any of us can adopt when the pressure's on and the situation seems impossible. So I've titled this today, How to Pray Under Pressure for the Impossible. So what did Daniel do? The first thing Daniel did was what the astrologers were all trying to do with the king, but he did it very honestly. He did it very forthrightly. Daniel bought a little bit of time. He had to buy some time. The astrologers were trying to buy time in a manipulative way. Daniel was honest. He asked for time. It says in Daniel 2.14, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Daniel didn't panic. He exercised wisdom and tact. Max Dupree, in his book, Leadership is an Art, he says this, the first job of a leader is to define reality, and the last job is to say thank you. So every now and then, your pastor is going to define reality around here, and he better say thank you. If he doesn't, you come, ask, you come talk to me, okay? Daniel didn't overreact, but he also didn't underreact. This was an impossible, very serious situation. He responded. He determined he wanted to learn as much as he could about the situation. If you're facing an impossible situation, 
Get as much information as you can. Gather as much information. Learn as much as you can about the actual reality. Because what happens to us as people, we get emotional, don't we? I know when COVID first happened, I went through every emotion under the sun. I was scared. I was mad. I was upset. I was, you know, inhibitive. I was just every emotion is what I went through. And I'm sure some of you went through those as well. But what was the best thing to do? It was just to learn as much as you could, stay as calm as possible, and not overreact, but not underreact. Learning is a good thing. Wisdom in this world is a good thing. It's a good thing to learn and to educate ourselves. It's the sort of wisdom of measure twice before you cut once. And I'm not much of a carpenter. Proverbs talks about knowing the condition of your... Do you know why you're in the situation you're in? Did you, did you cause it? Did someone else cause it? Uh, this is all helping in determining the next steps because there's a pattern here. Think of your impossible situation. What did Daniel do next? Daniel recruited prayer partners. And this is the most important probably point today. Do you have people praying with you? Daniel 2.17, Daniel returned to his house, explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. When I was a little guy, my mother prayed this prayer. She would, every night we would pray the Lord's Prayer, and every morning she'd pray this prayer over our, us as my brother and my sister. Lord, protect them from all forms of harm. Protect them from all forms of harm. I was a kind of a crazy kid, and I was coming home from school on my bicycle. I, I saw this little mini jump. The only thing is the jump went out into the street. So I took the jump landed, and then, kaboom, the car came, right? And all I remember is sky, ground, sky, ground, sky, ground, right? I was told I was, flown, I was thrown 20 feet in the air, and all I remember was just rolling and rolling and rolling, and, you know, 150 yards down this grade, and suddenly just kind of got up, dusted myself off, walked back to a very mangled bicycle. And I just, I will never forget the sense that I got that day that I'm so thankful my mother was praying for me. Every day, praying for protection from all forms of harm. Do you have people that you're praying with? I love that this church is built on prayer, that you can be partnered up in prayer with someone to pray for the impossible. There's so many situations in my life that have been impossible, but God has answered from heaven. God wants to do that for you. God wants to answer from heaven. And God wants to join you up with prayer partners. When I started at the church that I served before becoming district superintendent, I was in way over my head. Have you ever been in over your head, Pastor? Okay. I was in way over my head. And God uh, revealed to me, I went to a conference in Atlanta Uh, with our largest church in our denomination. 20,000 people are going to gather in the North Atlanta area this weekend with 12 Stone Church. But their pastor, when he started that church, he planted that church, he felt like he was in over his head, and God gave him prayer partners. So I went to this 
conference, and he said, if you feel like you're in over your head, you need prayer partners. So I came home, and I went to our church board meeting, and I looked at one of our board members, and I said, will you be my prayer partner? And the tears just started streaming because he felt that call immediately to be my prayer partner. We added a couple, ex- a couple other guys, and then for the next eight years, every Wednesday morning that I was in town at 6.30 in the morning, we gathered and we prayed, and they prayed over me as the pastor of the church and just prayed heaven down in those moments. And there were so many impossible situations in that church that God answered through prayer. And God wants to do that in your life, but you need to do what Daniel did. He gathered his friends he brought these prayer partners around him. So you need a prayer partner. What did, uh, what did Daniel do next? They, they just got to it and they prayed. They got to it. Daniel 2.18, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel understood they were under tremendous pressure. When the problems are intense, you plead with God. You can plead with God, and you can feel good about doing that. God wants you to plead with Him. So think about the challenge that you're in right now, whatever it might be. I want to encourage you, get, some, get somebody around you and pray together and plead with God. What they do next, number four, they trusted God and waited. Isaiah says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting is God's uh, answer. Waiting for God's answer involves faith. So over and over again in the scriptures, there's waiting going on. It took five years for you to come to this place where this church is full today. Five years. Think of what God's going to do in five more. It's going to be amazing, but there's going to be a waiting. There's going to be a sense of waiting. The Israelites were 40 years in the desert. They were 40 days. Moses was 40 days on the mountain. There was 70 years of exile. Abraham and Sarah waited decades before they could have a child. David was anointed by Samuel, and then there was this period of waiting before he was wearing the crown as the king. Daniel and his friends, they already knew the timeline of the king, so this answer was going to come quicker, but they waited on God. Number five, Daniel received an, an answer from God. So during the night, verse 19, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. It's what we call the aha moment, and sometimes that aha moment It just is so beautiful when you've prayed and you've pleaded and you've partnered and then finally that aha moment comes and I want that aha moment for each of you. I want you to have that aha moment for that impossible situation where God reveals it. This sense of the dreams. God has revealed so much to me in the hours between, really it's usually between asleep and awake, between 4.30 and 6 in the morning and God does something In me, God may do something like that in you. Transformation Church wouldn't even exist without a dream. And I'm sure that your pastor has shared the story. It stayed with me all the years that I've known about your church. Uh, Pastor and Vicki's daughter, Esther, had a dream back in New Brunswick that Thunder Bay was the destination of the family. Aren't you glad that kids have dreams? Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful that God revealed to Esther, who then revealed to her parents, hey, I had this dream about this place called Thunder Bay. 
And here now today is a church. This is what our God does. And those kind of things, they don't come from the earth. They're not just coming from the science. They come from heaven. This is we're people of heaven and earth. And we're the mediators between. Number six, Daniel praised God. He got the answer. He praised God. It says in verse 19, Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, This is before anything else has happened. He didn't go, he didn't, he didn't uh, pass go, collect $200, go to the king. What he did first when he got the answer, he knew this was the answer. And he praised God. He stopped and he praised the Lord. Are you stopping and praising the Lord in your life when God brings the answers? Sometimes God does something for us, and we just kind of keep moving on, right? It's kind of like the ten lepers. When all ten of them got healed, only one remembered to come back. Be the one that remembers to come back. Daniel praised God. Daniel praised the God of where? The God of heaven, right? Heaven and earth. Praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. God gave them the impossible. Daniel's first act wasn't to go to the king. His first thing was to praise God and give thanks, just like we did today. Don't miss church, because you want to be here. You want to be here to give praise and honor and thanks to God. That's one of the reasons we gather. It's one of the main reasons to do it. Last one. Daniel stepped into a better reality. Daniel 2, 26 to 49. Daniel has revealed everything to the king. And it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. Imagine, he was going to kill him ten minutes before. Right? He fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Daniel interpreted the dream for the king, which is a whole other very important sermon, that dream. Uh, It's a beautiful sermon because it's another pattern of how history is going to lay itself out. But in the pattern of prayer under pressure for the impossible, God accomplished another miracle for Daniel and something so improbable occurred that it's still recounted three or four thousand years later. It's still recounted. We still tell the story. So what about you? How about your story today? Are you willing to partner up? Are you willing to call upon the God of heaven for what today to you seems like impossible? Will you do that today? Will you, Transformation Church, 
Will you put your impossible situation before God? My wife and I are going this week. It's emotional for me. We're going this week to um, Thanksgiving. It's U.S. Thanksgiving. My wife's from Michigan. We're going to go to Michigan. And uh, our kid's favorite uncle is going to be there. And uh, we've been wondering for the past couple years, would we ever see him again? Because he's been in the grip of addiction. And he's gotten clean before. This is the second time we thought we're not going to see him again. And uh, God's answered prayer again. He's been clean for about three months. And he's going to be there. And that's what God does. God answers those kind of prayers. We, we were close to thinking it was impossible, even just a couple months ago. And so we're going to hug him. We're going to celebrate with him. Our kids are going to hug him. And this is who we are. We're imperfect human beings, and we need God to move. We need God to continue to reach people with love. And so I'm going to just invite you to stand, if you would, and bow your heads and close your eyes for one more prayer. The team's coming back and leading us in a closing song, and I want to thank you for letting me be here today with all of you and just to pray over you as individuals and as a congregation. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, you know what each person thought of during that message time, what was there impossible. Father, I pray right now, God, we're partnered up here. I'm praying over the person who needs healing. And I'm praying over the relative who needs recovery from addiction. I'm praying over the financial situation that looks so dire and looks so hard and difficult today. And Lord, in this earth, if we forget heaven, they're impossible. But God, I'm praying that you would open up the windows, the doors, the floodgates, every part of heaven, and continue, Lord, what you've already started in the work in this beautiful church with this beautiful community. Father, transform Thunder Bay, we pray. Transform the communities of the north. Father, transform our homes and our lives and our workplaces. And Father, we know there's always going to be challenges on this, in this earth, but God, heaven has the answers. So let us be the people that will stay between heaven and earth, that we will pray heaven down so that your will is done on this earth as it is in heaven. Bless each one here, God. I pray that everyone here would leave this place in a few moments feeling blessed, feeling filled, feeling loved. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.